Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Welcome to John chapter 10. And uh, we are in the middle of a series called Encountering Jesus, where we're going week by week, chapter by chapter, through the Gospel of John. And uh, we've now arrived at John 10, a really rich chapter. Uh, If I had to guess, there's some in here that have had certain verses in John chapter 10 memorized maybe for decades, uh, because we're entering into just some really rich part of God's Word. And uh, included in this section are Jesus' third and fourth I Am statements. Uh, And specifically, we're going to focus in more on the fourth I am statement uh, that Jesus has in the Gospel of John, and that is, I am the good shepherd. Uh, And we are going to just take a picture and remind ourselves of how Christ has shepherded us. And then if we are to imitate him, who is the good shepherd, what does that mean for how we shepherd others uh, around us? And so let me just give you a couple definitions. There's a lot of ways to define shepherding. One definition of shepherding that we'll sometimes use around here is we'll say that shepherding is intentional, ongoing, life-on-life discipleship. And that sounds messy, and it is. And it may take years before it bears fruit, but we're gonna say, hey, it's what the scriptures say. We've got to impart our very lives to one another. That's part of shepherding. It's part of disciple making. And as I've lingered with John 10, there's a a definition that's kind of rounded out even the ways we've talked about it before. But I think as we investigate the text this morning, we're going to see that that there's a definition of shepherding in John chapter 10 that is also rich. And let me give it to you up front, and then we'll unpack it here in a little bit. But uh, it is shepherding is a work of personal, purposeful passion. There is an imparting of your own life. That's the personal nature. There's a purpose to it. There's a movement. There's a goal. There's an aim in all of it. And it requires much. We'll unpack that. But shepherding is a work of personal, purposeful passion. And just to be really clear, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is a job description of yours. We are all called to be faithful followers and faithful shepherds. Uh, among the flock that is around us and amongst us. And so this is a message that imply, that is for all of us. And so we'll dive into that into a second, but let me just stop for a second and identify a problem that has existed, I believe, in the church, uh, Big C Church. Um, we live currently in a world today where people that specifically have the job that I have right now, kind of this, the preaching, teaching of a Sunday morning, we live in a world where this is probably uh, as emphasized a role as it has ever been in the church. Thanks to YouTube, podcasting, social media sound bites, this role, this 30 to 40 minutes, uh, this gift, this teaching, preaching gift is as celebrated as it has ever been potentially in the church. Now, to be clear, uh, those of us that get up here and teach, we work really hard to be able to be put in a place that the Spirit can use us effectively in this morning, and we want to make sure that we never neglect teaching and preaching a public proclamation of the Word, but I want to make sure we don't overvalue this moment. Because there have been many, and I mean many, gifted with preaching and teaching in the church, but they weren't necessarily shepherding the flock, nor were they being shepherded themselves. 
This is but one hour in a full week. And there is a full week of shepherding to be done. And it's not all done in a 30, 40 minute segment by one person. And I believe as we've kind of raised up and elevated and celebrated celebrity pastors, the church has paid for it and has many a black eye because of it. Now, it's not uncommon, just as I kind of look back, and, and, and you can test me on this and kind of think back with me, but it's not uncommon for various roles and giftedness to ebb and flow in popularity, so to speak. I think today it's probably teaching, preaching. I think when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, it was missionary work just seemed to be elevated to a certain level. In the 50s and 60s, uh, I, it looks, seems to me that maybe evangelists were being elevated to a certain role. All of those roles matter. All of those roles matter in the church. And there's a lot of others that also matter. But we get into trouble when we begin to overvalue certain gifts and begin to undervalue certain gifts. And I will submit to you today that I think over the last many decades and maybe a lot further that the thing most undervalued was the giftedness, willingness, and dedication that it requires to be a shepherd, to be a disciple maker. This has been a week for me where I've thought long and hard about my legacy, about what I want to be known for. And at the very, very top of the list is I want to be known as a good shepherd. I want to shepherd like Jesus did. As how he rescued me, I want to learn to shepherd like he does. If for some reason I'm ever gone from City Bridge, just to be clear, it's not about me. It's not about me right now, nor will it ever be. But if I'm ever gone from here, I hope the number one thing that is missed is how I helped shepherd the flock here. And in fact, I honestly, genuinely would be great that if the thing people miss the least was my teaching and preaching. And if there's anything that I want our church to be known for, I want us to be known for how we shepherd and how we make disciples. I hope people like our branding. I hope you uh, are proud to put the City Bridge sticker on your car and ride with the brand, so to speak. I hope people are spurred on by our teaching. But let's be really clear. A church can have great preaching, but not be good shepherds. A church can have great programs, maybe even big evangelistic events. They can have uh, big budgets, they can get a lot of people into their buildings, but it doesn't necessarily mean disciples are being made. And what I think the Big C Church is in the most need of today, and specifically what this church still is in need of today, is shepherding and making disciples, developing true followers of Christ. And it's not an easy work. See the video again. But it's a worthy work, and it's one that we are all called to. And it's what John chapter 10 has a lot to speak into. And so turn with me to John 10 as we enter in. What does it mean that shepherding is a work of personal, purposeful passion? We're going to add some color commentary to that, what the idea of shepherding. And so uh, just to set the scene, we're going to pick up right where Josh left off last week in John 9. John 10 sure seems to be a moment where Jesus is leaning into what he just saw. And what Jesus just saw was a, uh, a blind beggar get excommunicated from the synagogue. Here was a, a hurt sheep that was in need of, of, of gospel truth and the religious leaders of the day walked by his ditch day by day, day by day, ignoring some of the needs in his life. And when he was restored and pulled out, instead of celebrating, he cast, they would cast insults and eventually even kick him out of their presence. 
And so dive in with me as we begin to look at the personal element of shepherding. That's what I want our attention on in these first five verses. Christ's word speaking here. Truly, truly, I say to you, it may say verily, verily, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, and to him the gatekeeper opens. Christ is beginning to lay out who he is in this passage and, and beginning to contrast himself with some of the false shepherds that are, that are nearby and that he's been watching how they've cared for herding sheep. Now all of this, these, these first two and a half verses, and frankly all of these verses would have had um, special meaning to first century Jews. Uh, he, he's playing on a metaphor that they would have been very familiar with. And so just the, even at the idea of at the door, the shepherd of the sheep is, and to the him, the gatekeeper is open. It's this real personal moment that, that first century Jews would have understood exactly what was happening. In those days, That as shepherds would kind of guide their flock along, uh, there'd be kind of sheep hotels, so to speak, scattered all through the countryside. And, and not just a small pen, but a rather large enclosure where multiple shepherds with multiple flocks could kind of partition off their crew in, uh, in, in the same area. And what a shepherd would do as his particular flock was going into the night is, uh, or into the pen is he would put his, put his rod and his staff over the sheep and, and he would have this great personal care moment just to inspect his sheep. He could even notice by the way they were walking if they were in a healthy state. If there was a wobble in his gait, he knew that there was an issue that he was going to need to go to. As the rod kind of kind of felt through and, and kind of moved through the wool, there would have been a moment where he could have been able to sense, is there too much wool here? And maybe there's some some uh, some kind of things lying in the wool that were gonna cause problems, or maybe it was too thin and so cold that was coming or other things. He, they'd be able to sense that. And even as the sheep kind of walked by, he'd then run his fingers underneath the wool to make sure that there wasn't anything hidden at the skin level. And there's this intimate, personal care that the shepherd had for each of his sheep. And this is who Jesus is comparing himself, going, I am that shepherd. And it's a great moment to just stop and reflect about how sweet a savior we have. He's familiar with each one of our hurts, each one of our habits, each one of our hangups. He's intimately aware of all of our flaws, all of our tendencies. He knows what spooks us. He knows what makes us anxious. And he knows how to comfort us. So exact is his care. So exact. And so personal is his care for us. To Jesus is comparing himself. Keep reading with me. End of verse three. It says, the sheep hear his voice. This is the personal nature of it. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. Jesus wants a personal relationship with you and and it just is a constant reminder to me of how personal our shepherding needs to be of others around us. I was reminded of it just last Sunday. There was a, a friend that uh, was here. Uh, he attends a different church across town, but he used to come here a few years ago, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And uh, when he first came here, he was, a, uh, he was kind of a sheep that he would say, man, I was deep in the ditch. And I was catching up on him as he continues to just follow hard after Jesus and I pulled me aside and he goes, you know what changed my trajectory here? And I just kind of joked. I just said, my teaching? 
And without missing a beat, he goes, Mark Stanley. If you don't know Mark, Mark's one of our uh, host team members that literally, he's kind of like our doorkeeper, a gatekeeper that stands by and greets people as they show up on a Sunday morning. And he said, Mark met me when I first came here. This was several years ago now. And he goes, Mark spent specific time with me, made eye contact with me, walked with me for a minute or two, made me feel like this was a place where I was welcome. And he goes, I left here and uh, I wouldn't return for another six months, but the whole six months, I couldn't shake the impression that Mark had left with me. Seemed like he really cared about me. And even as he dug his ditch deeper, he said, finally, he just was like, you know what, I'm gonna go back to that place. And sure enough, who was waiting for him when he came back in, it was Mark. And as he was still approaching, Mark yells out, yo, it's California Josh. And he goes, from that point on, I was willing to trust my hurts, habits, and hangups with the sh- to the shepherds at this church because of how someone was willing to make a personal step and movement towards them and remembered them, changed the trajectory of my friend Josh's life. Today, years later, my friend Josh is a significant key leader at Region at a church that we helped plant in Frisco, Texas. I wanna let you know, we wanna get to know you here. This can feel like a big place at times, but we wanna get to know you here by name. And it would be a deep privilege if you'd let us come walk alongside you with whatever struggles, hurts, or habits that you have. It's one of the reasons why we have elders, senior staff down front each service. It's why we've got friends, burden bearers in the back that are ready to pray for you, pray with you. Walk alongside whatever burden that you're carrying. Take advantage of it. Please take advantage of it. Verse four and five, the the personal nature continues. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. It's this personal one-on-one. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Christ does such a good ear as the more we walk with him of tuning our ears to hear his specific voice so that we may follow him. He speaks familiarly to us. True Christians, we know Christ's voice. We, we begin to hear, we can begin to discern true teaching from false teaching. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us that, that helps us discern that. And so never get tired of, of discerning what the Spirit's doing. Never get tired of how the, the Spirit's using God's word to inform our thinking. And it's this picture of, man, what voice are you listening to? There's a lot of competing voices coming at us. And um, whether it's culture or any number of other voices, it could be false shepherds. We got to tune our ear to hear the true shepherd that speaks at a personal level to us. As we battle the different voices that are out there, it is a good reminder to all of us, doctrine matters, right? Orthodoxy matters. Having a right understanding of God's word matters here. And it's why we dedicate ourselves as teachers to preach the pure and undefiled word of God. It's why as a body, we're gonna stand on the word of God. We're gonna be firm where it's firm. We're gonna be flexible where this book is flexible. And we gotta be careful because there are many false shepherds out there teaching a false doctrine. There's a culture that is, is trying to sway us to go a completely different direction. So we've got to learn to discern the authenticity or lack thereof in those voices. But I think one of the best offenses against false shepherds and against culture is to imitate as best we can the good shepherd. Over the last few months, we've had some friends, and and I'd say rightly voiced concerns that, that we aren't speaking against culture enough on Sunday morning. And so we've listened to our people. 
And it's one of the reasons why we're likely going to do a worldview series to early in 2022. Because there's much wisdom in making sure that we all maintain a biblical worldview to the different challenges that we face in our lands and in our country. And there's much wisdom in making sure that we can give a biblical account for the hope that's in us and face those things that are coming. But let me add this and let me do it with much care. Let me give you a little preview of that series. What we won't do during that series is grandstand against culture. Because grandstanding against culture is not the personal work of shepherding. Israel thought their Messiah was going to deliver them from the clutches of Rome. They were waiting for a political conqueror. And yet in Christ, they didn't even find a political commentator. As you track the gospel, specifically as you track along in, with the gospel of John with us, I just want you to keep track of the, the number of times Jesus calls out Rome. The answer I think you'll find is zero. And yet more often than not, when there was work needed to be done in calling out, he called out his own people. He called out the household of God. It's what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 17. If judgment begins, it begins in the household of God. And so even as we begin to investigate how to have a biblical worldview, we're going to inspect ourselves first to knowing that what our world needs, what people need around us aren't more political commentators. They need personal shepherds that are willing to move towards people. It's the high call of shepherding, folks. Shepherding is a high call for every one of us. And let me just give you a little picture. Shepherds move towards people, not positions. Shepherds move towards people, not political parties or bigger platforms. Shepherds move toward the sheep, not stances. The religious leaders of the day had a stance back in John 9, which is there should be no work on the Sabbath. And the good shepherd said, I have a herding sheep, and I'm going to move towards him, and I'm going to care for him. And so it shall be for us. There's a picture of this that, 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 that matters, that just to highlight it, just a few years ago, uh, the Obergefell ruling, right? It, it was a big moment, a tragic moment in our land where nine men and women in robes changed the government's definition of marriage in our land. And if you want to know our stance here, and it does matter, our stance is we believe marriage is between one man and one woman. And what God's joined together, let no man put us under. We believe homosexuality is a sin because that's what God's word says. We believe heterosexual perversion is also a sin because that's what God's word says. But that stance on its own doesn't change lives. And so if you don't like the state of marriage in our country, let me issue a challenge. Because we can throw stones at those nine judges or the political parties that helped get those nine judges into power. Or we can start changing one marriage here at a time on Monday nights. There's a place here where you can do something about the state of marriage in our land. There are couples that show up here every Monday night looking for help and they need shepherds. They're willing to walk alongside them. That can be you. Your vote matters. Steward your vote really well. But don't unsay with your lives what you say with your voting record. Come shepherd hurting marriages. It's easy, we can throw stones at culture or we can look at ourselves in the mirror and begin to fight for the oneness and union in our, in our own marriage that this scripture calls us to do. 
we can live in such a way that others can't help but be attracted to the type of marriage that we model. And husbands, by the way, check out the definition of husbandry this week. I think it falls in line with what we're talking about, but it's your job. It's your job to help your family flourish. There's gonna be moments where you don't feel like you're being respected. There's gonna be moments where you feel like you're not being followed. There's gonna be moments where ah, you feel like your authority doesn't have a place. But I love what the early church fathers, John Chrysostom said. He said, the good shepherd Jesus Christ brought his church to worship at his feet by his great personal and sacrificial love. And so thus conduct thyself towards your wife. We have such a great opportunity to change marriage in this land. We have such a great opportunity to change all the issues in our land if we will move towards people with active shepherding that we are willing to get messy with them, get in them, muck and mire, not join them in the sin, but to meet them in it and go, I know the way out. Let me point you to the good shepherd. There's so many ways that we can begin to help our land. To the hurt sheep here in the room, let me just quickly say this. We want to meet you. Bring us your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We come with patience, not pitchforks. And it would be a deep privilege to get to walk alongside you. Take us up on that offer. In case you don't know me or maybe you need to be reminded, seven years ago, I was a wounded, wounded sheep. If you're comparing me to that video, I was that sheep stuck so far in the ditch, it took like seven people to pull me out. But the good shepherd Jesus came and he used many of his under shepherds to help pull me out and it's been the sweetest gift in my life as people come running towards me and we wanna do the same for you. Shepherding is personal and it is also purposeful. There's a reason why we shepherd. Look at me, look with me at verse seven because there was a reason that Jesus comes for us. It says, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. There's the third I am statement. That's Jesus just going, man, salvation comes through no one else but me. A few chapters, he'll go, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is but one mediator between God and man, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the door. And all who came before me are just thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. And watch what happens. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There's a purpose to it, and we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Christ's shepherding has come to bring salvation and sanctification. He's come to bring us life from death. And not only just for some day out in the distance, he wants to bring us abundant life here and now. His shepherding has a purpose now, if I were to ask out loud, and let me just do that, I'll ask out loud here. If, if you were to think of a passage in your Old Testament that talks about the good shepherd, what's the first passage that might come to your mind? Psalm 23. And I think that was probably on the Lord's mind in this instance, but I think there's another passage that was probably even more foundational in what he was saying as he was beginning to compare himself to the false shepherds and the true shepherds. I think he's recalling a passage from Ezekiel 34. And so let's go read that together. Let's let 
God's word just inform our shepherding and the purpose that ultimately should accompany it? In verse 1 of Ezekiel 34, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Right? Judgment starts. If it begins, it begins at the household of God. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, you've been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Just stop for a second and just go, man, as we, as we listen, as we, as we discern false shepherds, it's always good to know, hey, who's benefiting here? Is it the shepherd or is it the sheep? You evaluate a, a gospel like the prosperity or the health and wealth gospel. You ask yourself, who's benefiting? Is it the shepherds or is it the sheep? And when it's the shepherds, you've got a problem with it. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. And so they were scattered because they had no shepherd. And what do they do when they don't have a shepherd? They go looking in this world and they become prey to whatever the world has to offer. It says they become food for all the wild beasts. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. And in verse 10, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I'm gonna require my sheep at their hand. It's just a summary, right? False shepherds, they feed themselves and not the sheep. They're out for their own interest and they're not trying to care for others. But, look at verse 11, and watch what a sweet preview it is, a foreshadow of John 10. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep. Messianic prophecy. Verse 12, I will rescue them from all the places. Verse 14, I will feed them with good pasture. There they shall lie down. Sounds like Psalm 23. In good grazing land, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. And look at the purpose of why Christ came. And as we read verse 16, fellow shepherd, does this mark your shepherding? I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. These are the purposes. This is why Christ came. And this is what we're called to do. Christ didn't come to just collect sheep. It's what Keggs talked about at the end of John 6, right? Keggs was, that, that, that Christ was willing to teach in such a way that, that would cause some to not follow him. And that's okay. It was okay because Christ was in the purpose of making disciples, not just building a huge following. He came to enable flourishing, and so it must be here for us at City Bridge. We aren't in the collection business. We're in the cultivating business. We're in the disciple-making business. We're in the season where men and women's Bible study is off and running, and uh, every now and then, and this year too, I've met a couple Bible study table leaders that have been discouraged because maybe only two or three people are at their table. And they'll be like, how's it going? It's like, yeah, we've only got two at our table right now. There's only three. And I'm like, whoa, 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 only? Holy cow, that's two or three people. Imagine if God gets their hearts. What a privilege it is to shepherd those two or three people. When people jumped in and began to help shepherd Chris Baird, it led to 
a whole ministry being launched here through my friend. One guy. You've got two. You've got three at your tables. Get after it. My favorite small group at this church, one of my favorite small groups, I should say, at this church, is my son's group. He's one of three in that group. I have a peculiar interest in how that small group is being shepherded. (laughs) Shepherds focus on the depth of their people. And shepherds let God take care of the breadth of the people, how many people come. There's a lot of talk these days about being on the right side of history. Have you heard that phrase a lot lately? I don't know that I want to be on the wrong side of history, but man, the right side of history is a moving target, is it not? But uh, I think one thing that we can agree on, if there was any nation that should have been on the right side of history, it was Israel. If you go back and look at them and you read your Old Testament, I mean, here they were. They had the patriarchs, they had the prophets, they had the promised land, they had the perfect law. In theory, they had all the positions They had all the stances that they needed. But the question was, was their people being cared for? Were the people being shepherded? And Ezekiel 34 was like, it wasn't happening. And so because of that, God judged them and sent them into exile because they weren't shepherding their people. And so look, we too, we can have the right stance on marriage, We can have the right stance on abortion, critical race theory, immigration, on down the list. And oh, by the way, we should be diligent to study God's word so that we have a biblical response to all of those topics and then some. But if we aren't moving towards people, if people aren't getting well, if disciples aren't being made, if marriages aren't being healed, then what are we doing? And at some level, the answer is we're doing some form of religion. And we're walking in self-righteousness. And so instead, we've got to move towards people. And our goal isn't just behavior modification. It is to move people towards full devotion. And it's hard, and it's messy, and it takes time. And let me just tell you for a second, let me give you another story of why it's worth the time. There was a couple here in our church, is a couple here in our church that we've been walking with for several years. And it's a marriage that, frankly, right when it started, it started with problems. Even in their foundation group, there were struggles. As they walked through re-engage, the struggles continued. And uh, and it's been a struggle. The shepherds have just moved towards them and, 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 and sought to not just keep them from getting a divorce, but to move them towards one another. And a sweet thing happened about a year and a half, two years ago. The the wife began to move towards the shepherds that were moving towards her, and she began to raise her hand and go, man, how can I grow? How how can I become more like Christ? And she began to listen, and she began to allow herself to be shepherded. And it's been incredible to watch as she's moved through women's Bible study and other things, just God both growing her and her appetite for God's word, and then also putting women around her that she has been shepherding. Meanwhile, she's just kind of kept the circle drawn tightly around herself, working on the things that she can work on, meanwhile praying for her husband, that he might do some of the same things that the Lord had been gracious to begin doing in her life. And about three months ago, those prayers were answered. He called up his shepherds, his re-engaged leaders, and just said, "I'm, I'm ready to lay my life down. 
I've been hiding a prescription drug habit, pain painkiller habit. And as I've been doing that, I've been stealing money from my company in order to fund that. Does that sound familiar? So those shepherds pulled me in for a little bit. And I got to walk alongside them. We got to go out and visit his boss and just talk about a plan for paying back the company. And as he began to walk in with the shepherding that was surrounding him, others came circling around. Old, re- uh, old foundation group leaders going, hey, we'll help. We'll jump in on the finances and help you as you walk through this way. And it's been an incredible gift already in just three months. It's still early in the story, but it has been sweet to watch. Messy and hard, but so worth it. And it's what I want City Bridge to be known for, how we disciple and shepherd people. I don't care how big we get or how little we go. Our teaching style, our worship style, at some level, that's all chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. And they come and they go. Worship styles come and go. Teaching comes and go. But when the people who are hurting in town or when people have gotten stuck and they just want to go, I need to take my next faithful step of full devotion. I want this place to be known as, I'm supposed to get, I need to get to City Bridge. Because I know that they have some faithful shepherds that will walk alongside me. Not just to modify some behavior, but to move me towards full devotion. There's a purpose to our shepherding. I want this to be a safe place, but in order for this to be a safe place, shepherds, there's a high call that awaits. Shepherding is personal, it's purposeful, and it's also a work of passion. Turn back with me to John 10. See what Jesus says here in verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. I am statement number four. And watch what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But not so with the good shepherd. I am he. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. There's the personal nature of it again. And just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. When I say passion, I don't just mean boisterous energy that you'll see it like a Cowboys game here in a couple of hours. I mean the passion of Christ. And just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And as I have other sheep that are not of this fold, that's the Gentiles, I bring them along also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because here, for the third time, I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down, number four, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down five times. Get a theme here? The passion of Christ, the passion of a shepherd, the passion of the good shepherd. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back up again. It's a sweet picture. In the Old Testament, under Mosaic law, the sheep would die for the shepherds. And in the New Testament, under the law of grace, the shepherd dies for the sheep. The one shepherd dies for the sheep. And I love the, the picture. I don't, I've used this with my kids before. I've heard it many other times, but just the idea of you value what you pay for, right? Right? 
And we've been purchased with the blood of Christ. And because of that, he values us and takes a peculiar interest in us and shepherds us. He's laid his life down. And so for us shepherds, it's a good also, it's also a reminder to just, shepherding's costly. And if you want to be a shepherd, it will require you to not only look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. I loved, I mean, just hearing the stories that came from, uh, from Unite this past weekend, I've gotten to hear a couple more than even Anna and Daniel were able to share. It was such a sweet gift. It was, and there was so much that the Lord did. 180 people went to uh, Sky Ranch last Sunday or last weekend, and 40 of them were leaders. Good one to four ratio. Not staff people, 40 shepherds went there. Some of these leaders, I don't know if you know this, uh, offer up at least seven years of their lives to walk with our students. Can you believe that? Seven years of shepherding, if at least. Some of them use paid time off, their own vacation time, in order to spend last weekend with our students. Get this, there were multiple pregnant women out there shepherding. I don't presume to necessarily know a lot about pregnant women, but this I do know, they can use sleep. And uh, need I remind you that not a lot of sleep happens at student retreats. And yet they were willing to lay down their own interests for the interest of others. Almost begs the question, man, why would anyone lay down their life for students? They're fickle. They're hard to please, prone to wander, willing to stay lost. Yeah, kind of like all of us. Our leaders did a poll with their students while they were there last weekend and um, listen to the top struggles of our students today and see if you can't. What do you think the number one struggle that is uh, bedeviling our students? A desire to self-harm. That's number one on the list. Depression, loneliness, lust, the struggle of am I already out of reach of God? 13, 14, 15-year-olds wondering if they're already beyond God's grace. And so maybe the better question is, why wouldn't we lay down our lives for our students? I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be at a church where we have 40 leaders that are willing to shepherd the future shepherds. And if you heard them during announcements, we need more. Um, I owe you all an apology. A couple times uh, this year, I have, uh, have said that um, you should want my job. I get to be here on Tuesday nights. I get to hear stories of what the Lord has done in uh, others' lives. And it's an incredible gift that I get to just sit and listen to the transformation of what the Lord's done through many of you and your shepherding and how the Lord has used you in other people's lives. And, and I get to be used in small ways, some big ways, but I get to listen in all of the ways of what the Lord's been doing and the ways that the Lord's up to. And uh, you should want my job. That's not the apology. I won't apologize for that. Uh, I've even said on a couple of occasions, you can have my job. Monday nights, there are people waiting to be shepherded. There's marriages that need help. You can have my job. You come show up and you begin to walk with people. That's my job. Tuesday nights, there's people walking through with any number of different struggles. Come join me. We need help. We need Bible study leaders Wednesday morning, Thursday evening for women's 
Bible study. We need men's Bible study leaders Thursday morning. We don't just need people to ask questions. We need people to dive deep. If you're in community here, you have that responsibility too. Move in. And that's what I'm getting at. Here's where I have stopped short a couple of times this year. You should want my job. You can have my job. But to be very clear, biblically speaking, you already have my job. You who is a follower of Christ are called to help shepherd the flock amongst us. The one another's of scripture are not just for a select few. Now there is a structure to our shepherding, don't get me wrong, but we are all called to be a part and take place in that structure. And so City Bridge, that's what I want us to be known for. And shepherding roles are a plenty around here and yet the workers are few. It won't be easy. (laughs) There's cost to count. There are self-interest to lay down. There's crosses to pick up. There's sheep bites to endure or sheep that want to knock us down. But let me just close by asking us all three questions. And um, there are three questions that are found in John 21. And uh, we'll get there before long, I guess in December. But let me ask those same three questions to us today. And they're, As a preface, there are three questions that were asked to a a herding sheep who's in the process of being restored. You might know where I'm going now. They were three questions that were asked to Peter. And really, it was one question emphasized three times. Because Jesus looked at Peter, who he was being restored, going, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And then what was the call? Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my sheep. And so City Bridge, at some level, gets really easy. Do we love Jesus? I know what the words that will come out of our mouth is, is yes. And so now, we get to go live that out. The good shepherd just preached a master class on what a good shepherd does, but he was about to go live it out in really powerful, life-changing, eternity-changing ways for each one of us. And so now you and I need to go live out what it looks like to imitate this good shepherd. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.